0: More over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Posted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc., featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon, you're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin and we're on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local, you will dial 702-650-5588. If you'd like to join in on our discussion today, you have a comment, a praise report, a prayer request, we'd love to hear from you. Again, the local number is 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you to join in as well. That number would be 800-366-8883. I say again, the toll-free number, if you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, would be 800-366-8883. We are being broadcasted over KKVV's call sign, which is 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we're being streamed live over the internet, audio and visual, which is www w.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. Brother Vernon and I are waving to you. We're also being um, audio and video streamed from our website, which is Save the Lost at All Costs website, www.savetheloslv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, please go to our website again, www.savetheloslv.org. Click on to the date that you like to listen. The gospel is always free on our watch. We have several broadcast for you to listen to again as the holy spirit leads you we're also being archived on itunes uh save the lost at all costs and again that uh is free as well again the gospel is always free on our watch brother vernon i do believe there's a cell phone number that you can call in order to listen to kkvv's radio station to include our broadcast as we are broadcasting live in real time
1: absolutely that cell phone number is five six three nine nine nine. 563 999 thirty one ninety four once again five six three nine nine nine
0: three one nine four. All right, I believe we've got that taken care of, Brother Amen. Vernon. Amen. And we are going to get into our discussion today. Our discussion and our topic is is a second blessing of baptism of the Holy Spirit Biblical. Again, I'm going to repeat that. Our topic for today is Is a second blessing of baptism of the Holy Spirit biblical? Hmm. Now, Pentecostal Christians believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as evidenced by speaking in tongues. The power to exercise the gifts of the Spirit, they claim, comes initially when a believer is baptized in the Holy Spirit, a distinct experience from conversion and water baptism. Pentecostal worship is characterized by emotion, lively expressions of worship with great spontaneity. Some examples of Pentecostal denominations and faith groups are the Assemblies of God, Church of God in Christ, which is called Kojic, Church of God, Full Gospel Churches, and Pentecostal Oneness Churches. However, in addition to receiving the Holy Spirit at conversion, Pentecostals believe in a baptism of the Holy Spirit, whereby the believer is baptized into the Holy Spirit and given special power for ministry. This is sometimes called baptism of the Holy Spirit or the second blessing. We're going to give you uh, some history of Pentecostalism in America. So Brother Vernon... Uh, You have a person that you want to tell us about, and I believe his name is Charles Fox Parham. And that would be spelled on a last name, P-A-R-H-A-M. Again, his name is Charles Fox Parham. P-A-R-H-A-M. I encourage you to do your research in reference to this individual. So, Bernard, you're going to read a little bit about what we have done some research concerning uh pastor parham
1: okay all right charles f parham learning from errors in church history charles fox parham born fourth june 1873 died 29th of january 1929 was an american preacher originally from a methodist and the wasteland holiness movement background Together with William J. Seymour, Parham was one of the two central figures in the development and early spread of Pentecostalism which initially emphasized personal faith and proper living among with a belief of the eminence of the return of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In 1901, in Topeka, Kansas, Parham left the Methodist Church in 1895 because he disagreed with his hierarchy. He also complained that Methodist preachers were not left to preach by direct inspiration. Rejecting denominations, he established his own itinerant, evangelistic ministry which preached the ideas of the holiness movement and was well received by the people of Kansas. Charles Parham's theological roots. Pentecostalism grew out of the holiness movement roots. John Wesley, the 18th century Anglican minister and founder of Methodism, is in many ways seen as the spiritual and intellectual father of the modern holiness and Pentecostal movements because of the doctrine of sinless perfectionism. Perfectionism in parentheses, sanctification, was the second blessing or experience of the believer. This perfectionism, which could become something a believer must seek and strive for. Pentecostalism says to them, aim for this special blessing too. Seek perfection, for it too is within your reach. With special power from the Holy Spirit, you can also attain to this level of spirituality. Surrender to the Spirit completely and be without sin. Yield to His power and you can be perfect. With roots in Methodism, Mr. Parham's theology in itself developed and grew over time. He preferred to work out of doctrinal ideas in private meditation. He believed the Holy Spirit communicated with him directly, and it's not hard to see how his theology was riddled with doctrinal heresies. He believed in annihilation of the unsaved and denied the Bible doctrine of eternal torment. He believed in the unscriptural doctrine of Anglo-Israelism. He taught that there were two separate creations, and that Adam and Eve were of a different race than people who allegedly lived outside of the Garden of Eden. The first race of men did not have souls, he claimed, and this race of unsold people was destroyed in the Flood. Parham believed that those who received the latter days' spirit baptism and spoken tongues would make up the Bride of Christ and would have a special place of authority at Christ's return. He believed in a partial rapture composed of tongues-speakers. In spite of his teaching that it was always God's will to heal and that medicine and doctors must be shunned, one of the Parham's sons died at age sixteen years of a sickness which was not healed. Parham ironically himself suffered various sicknesses throughout his life and at times was actually too sick to preach or travel. Well, Mr. Parham also taught the fringe 2 seed theory, or where did Cain get his wife, or was there a pre-Adamite race, a theory that is always found connected to another race, the 2 seed theory of Christian identity or aliens, or that biblical record is false and that Adam was not the first man created. This same theory was later to influence other Pentecostal preachers like William Branham. Charles Parham's most memorial theological contributions were his belief about the baptism with the Holy Spirit as another work of grace aside from conversion or salvation. There were Christians speaking in tongues and teaching an experience of spirit baptism before 1901. However, he was the first to identify tongues as the Bible evidence of spirit baptism. It is not clear when he began to preach the need for such an experience, but it is clear that he did by 1900. Charles Parham later asserted, too, that there are not two experiences, but there were three works of grace that a true believer must experience—conversion, sanctification, and spirit baptism. Then there was Azusa Street. In 1906, everything was yet to boil over, this was at the Azusa Street Revival, which is commonly regarded as the spark that caused the beginning of modern Pentecostalism. The Azusa story resolves around the leadership of William J. Seymour, Charles Parham's black African-American student. Both Parham and Seymour had preached to Houston's African-Americans, and Parham had planned to send Seymour out to preach to the black communities throughout Texas. Seymour left Houston to become the associate pastor of an African-American holiness mission in Los Angeles, California. Seymour's work in Los Angeles would eventually develop into the Azusa Street Revival. Large crowds came from across the nation and around the world, and for three years these meetings would go on. Seymour usually sat at the front of the room behind two empty boxes, one on top of the other. During meetings, he kept his head inside the boxes, earnestly praying. There was little or no order to the Azusa Street services. Whoever felt moved by the Spirit to speak would do so. Seymour re- uh, rarely preached. Some say that the first-hand descriptions of the Azusa Street revival sound very similar to the current Laughing revival. A bewildered Los Angeles Times reported, visited the meeting and remarked, the night is made hideous by the howlings of worshipers. When Charles Parham visited the revival in October of 1906, it was not a joyful reunion for the student and his master. David MacLeod, in his book, The Strange History of Pentecostalism, said of this visit that even he was shocked by the confusion of the services. He began his first sermon by telling the people that God is sick at his stomach because of the things which were occurring at Azusa. He was dismayed by the awful fits and spasms of the holy rollers and hypnotists. He described their Azusa tongues as chattering, jabbering, and sputtering, speaking no language at all. The Azusa street meetings were so wild that Parham condemned them with the term sensational holy rollers. He testified that the Azusa street meetings were largely characterized by manifestations of the flesh, spiritualistic controls, and the practice of hypnotism, Sarah Parham, The Life of Charles F. Parham, Joplin, Missouri, Tri-State Printing, 1930, page 163. According to Parham, two-thirds of the people professing Pentecostalism in his day are either hypnotized or spook-driven. Parham, Life of Charles F. Parham, page 164. In In his writings about Azusa Street, Parham described men and women falling on one another in a morally compromising manner. Splits and denominations. Numerous charismatic denominations referred to this revival as the beginning of their particular beliefs. Until 1914, the movement worked primarily within the holiness churches, but increasing friction motivated Pentecostals to form their first denomination, the Church of, the Church of God in Christ. Although the movement was racially integrated in its early years, racial divisions soon developed. Many white clergy could not handle the presence of both blacks and whites in the congregation. The clergy subsequently left to form the Assemblies of God where blacks could be excluded. Eventually there evolved three main Pentecostal divisions and a number of similar splinter groups. Some Pentecostals, particularly those with a holiness background, believe in the Pentecostal experience, as the third of three experiences. 1. Justification faith and trust by the believer in Jesus as Lord and Savior. 2. Sanctification, the second blessing, imparting of a new life to the believer by the Holy Spirit. 3. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, has evidence by speaking in tongues. Their main denominations include Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, Church of God in Christ, other Pentecostals, particularly those with a Baptist background, believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit can happen to any believer in Jesus, whether or not they have first been sanctified. The main denomination is the General Council of the Assemblies of God. Oneness Pentecostals, a.k.a. Jesus Only, or apostat- apostatilic, excuse me, Pentecostals, believe that in the early Christian church, baptism was done in the name of Jesus Christ only, as in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, not in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, as in Matthew, chapter 28, verse 19. In time, time, this group abandoned the traditional expression of belief in the Trinity and accept the oneness of God. A crisis developed within the Assemblies of God in 1916 over these new beliefs. The Assemblies of God decided to remain Trinitarian, both in its baptismal formula, and its concept of deity. Almost 200 pastors left the Assemblies of God as a result. The United Pentecostal Churchland, the Pentecostals' Assemblies of the World, are the main oneness Pentecostal denominations. Around 1973, in order to distinguish newer Pentecostals from the older Pentecostal denominations, the word charismatic began to be used widely to designate the movement in the mainline churches lessons and rep- rep- repercussions. The Pentecostal charismatic movement has affected the whole of Christianity in a way that not seen since the Protestant Reformation. Though many admire how it energizes its followers, many theologians are shocked at how much of traditional Christian doctrine are completely ignored, misinterpreted, or mangled up. Pentecostalism, seeks to apply to our day what belonged only to the apostles and their day. Pentecostals teach that those extraordinary gifts given by the Lord to authenticate the apostles due to the fact that the canon of Scripture was not yet completed are intended for Christians in every age. In New Testament times, God spoke by direct revelations to His apostles and prophets. Signs were needed to confirm that their messages were actually from God. Pentecostalism often places human experience above the written word of God. For Pentecostals, the way to find the truth is to appeal to oneself, to look within, to look at one's own experience. I know that it is from God because it feels so good, or it feels so right, they often say. Systematic biblical exposition is almost non-existent. Pentecostalism assembles the church around something other than the Word of God. A true church of Jesus Christ assembles together around the pulpit. It comes together for the preaching of the Word of God. Pentecostalism today assembles a church around special revelations and dreams and speaking in tongues and experiences rather than the preaching of the Word of God. It desires unity in the church, yet often brings division.
0: Okay, we're going to stop right there. All right, uh, Brother Vernon, you've done a lot of research. I appreciate that. Uh, Thank you. you. And we are going to get to Acts 2. We're going to start looking at uh, the question we asked today. Is a second blessing a baptism of the Holy Spirit biblical? So, Vernon, I'd like us to go to Acts 2. And I'd like you to read uh, verses 1 through 4, please. And you'll be coming out of the New King James Version. Is that correct?
1: Yes, the New King James Version. Acts 2. Verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues. As the spirit gave them utterance.
0: Okay, so I want us to keep that in our spirit, and I want you to go to Matthew chapter 3, and I want you to read verses 11 and 12. Again, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 3, and you're going to look at verses 11 and 12, and then we're going to talk about what we just read in Acts 2, but we need to Go to Matthew, and then I'll mm-hmm. tie that in. Okay. Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, please.
1: Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 12. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he would thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, But he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire.
0: Okay. So when we look at Acts chapter 2. And we looked at the first four verses. This was a special event, Brother Vernon. This was a one-time only event. This has never ever happened again. So when we look at the interpretation from a Pentecostal view. They are under the impression that we should exegete it using Matthew 3 11 and 12 is what you just read about John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. So John the Baptist talked about he was going to baptize with water for repentance and as believers we know that we have the gift of repentance and if we turn from that that we have done then the word of God tells us that he is quick to forgive us. Amen. Amen. And as if we had never committed those sins. So, but then it goes on to say that he, he being the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Right? Amen. Okay. So, but it says that when we go to verse 5, go back to Acts, and we're in 2, and read verse 5.
1: Verse 5 says... And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven.
0: Okay, so we are seeing that these men were devout, right? Amen. However, they were what? From every nation, correct? Correct. You have Jerusalem Jews, right? And you have devout men from every nation under heaven. Correct? Yes. So... We want to see the type of people that were there. And if they're from people from every nation, wouldn't it be safe to assume they didn't all speak the same language? Yes. So at this particular time, Brother Vernon, they had not received the Holy Spirit. So this that they're going to receive, that we're talking about coming down from heaven. It's going to be the first Mm -hmm. blessing. It's not going to be a second blessing. It's going to be the first blessing of the Holy Spirit. And they would be able to recognize it. In their own language, man of God, because we establish that not only were there Jews there, but they were devout men. Of every nation every nation that had been revealed in the Holy Bible Old Testament to the New Testament up until that time there were many nations this ministry covered many areas and they didn't all speak Hebrew and we do know that the New Testament is written in Greek It's not even written in Hebrew because where they were at the particular time, Greek was the language that was being spoken. Are you following me, man of God? Yes, I am. Okay, so this has to be understood as a one-time event. It's not going to be repeated in today's time. You read about the founder of what modern day Pentecostalism is. Pastor Charles Fox Parham. Mm-hmm. That. That they had on Azusa Street. Right. Was not nothing. This. That they had here. It's not even any comparison. Number one. You had apostles. Right. Mm-hmm. That were called into their apostleship. By who? The Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. He endued them with power. We have to understand, the Bible has not been completed as we see it completed. So you needed signs and wonders to be able to establish what they were saying was true. Because everybody did not have the written word. We're blessed to have it, but that was not so. So you needed something to establish That they were who they say they were. And they were called by who they said they were called by. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Because just like we have false prophets. Mm -hmm. There were false prophets there. And they were doing all kinds of signs and wonders as well. If you will remember when we go back to the beginning of the Bible. When Moses was told to go see Pharaoh. Did they not have a staff? Yes they did. Did they not do tricks? Yes. Were they not sorcerers then? Yes. So you had to have signs and wonders and miracles to establish that it was from the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we can't expect what happened in Acts 2 to ever have been repeated. Amen? Amen. In a modern day situation. Now, it talked about talking in, in, in a language, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, now, tongues... Is not a heavenly language that we're talking about in this context. It was a human language. Could you read verse 4 again when we go back to Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 4? Could you read that again?
1: Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance.
0: Those other tongues that they're talking about are a human language. Language. They are not a heavenly language. It's a difference. And you say, okay, Sister Nina, you said a heavenly language. Brother, I know you want to know what I'm talking about, so I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and let's look at verses 9 through 13. Again, what we're establishing in chapter 2. Verse 4 of Acts is a real human language because we've already established in verse 5 that these people came from every nation, Mm -hmm. right? Every nation. Every nation under heaven. Now, they're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit once. Amen? Amen. So, it hasn't happened. But let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and we're going to look at verses 9 through 13. This is rich, isn't it, Brother Vernon? Yes, it is. Are you enjoying this, man yes, of God? I'm enjoying course. it too. Amen. So chapter- again, First Corinthians chapter 14, verses 9 through 13.
1: 9 through 13. Okay, from the New King James Version, chapter 14, verse 9, 1 Corinthians. So likewise you uh, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? for you will be speaking into the air. Verse 10, There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. 11, Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. 12, Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. 13, Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray, That he may interpret.
0: Amen. So the thing is, is that if there is going to be something spoken, amen? Amen. It has to be interpreted. Did you see that? Yes. Because if nobody speaks the language, then nobody understands. That's true. So that's why I'm using this to back up what is clearly an Acts chapter 2 verse 4 that it is a human language that they are referring to amen amen so we have to understand that now pentecost was not the second blessing as i said it was the first blessing pentecostals hold that believers do not gain saving faith when they come to christ but they gain the spiritual baptism in order to use it powerfully in the ministry however this doesn't Fit with the passage because these this hadn't happened they hadn't received the spirit at all you will receive power with the holy spirit has come upon you we can find this in acts verse eight let's read this so the holy spirit hadn't come upon them at this particular time so let's go to acts chapter one and let's look at verse eight
1: acts chapter one verse eight mm-hmm. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And that's Jesus speaking.
0: What are they going to receive when the Holy Spirit comes on them? Power. And they will be witnesses where?
1: To him and in Jerusalem, and And in all Judea Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth.
0: So does he need to do things in two stages? No. He's going to do it one time and one time only. Amen? Amen. And it says very clearly that they will have power. And they will be witnesses of what? Him. Amen? Amen. So when you get the Holy Spirit, when the conversion happens, that's when you get the power. Amen? Amen. You don't have to wait for something else to happen because that would be works. Amen? Amen. He's going to endue you. With the power that's from him for you to bear witness all over. And at that particular time, it would be in Jerusalem. Amen. Amen. And all Judea. So everyone would know. Amen. Amen. There's no secret hidden thing. Jesus is not operating in secret. It requires us to believe what? On him. Amen. Amen. It doesn't require anything else. That was the problem. You know, for the last two weeks, we've been talking about the importance of the Jerusalem Council. So it's very important that we get clarity. Amen? Amen? Because we're being separated in the kingdom of God. And if we can't get clarity on some things, it's going to be very hard to witness to others. That's true. We have to be on one accord, man of God. Amen. So... We don't want people to think that only certain people are able to have some special revelation. When you receive the Holy Spirit, then you're able to get what God has for you. It's not connected to a man, is it? It's not connected to a denomination, is it? No. And we can see that... Pastor Charles Fox Parham had a problem with the Methodists because they were preaching from the word of God and that's all they were preaching from and he had an issue with that because he felt that he could preach from inspiration mm. what is the foundation of your inspiration they weren't going to deviate from the word of God at all we have a caller Well, we did have a caller, so we'll see what's going on, and we'll continue to go on. Amen? Amen. So, being filled with the Holy Spirit, that's amazing. And the Holy Spirit comes from who, Brother Vernon?
1: From the Lord God, Jesus Christ.
0: From the passage that we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, did you hear... Jesus saying that you will receive an additional spirit baptism. Did, did you read that?
1: Uh, you will receive power when the, when the Holy Spirit has come one. That's, that's
0: one. The Holy do, spirit. But, but do you, no. do you hear that passage alluding to something else? No. Hello. You're on save the loss at all costs. And thank you for waiting. God bless you.
2: In the Hello. And, um, it is a blessing to hear you just break it down. And uh, like we were discussing, I caught you last, I think it was about two weeks ago at the end. Yes, but the ma'am. But like you said, it's its the power of believing. The Messiah himself said, he said, those who believe, these signs shall follow. There's no many believing. You believe in that even tongues is the least of all the gifts. He didn't say, um, you shall receive the tongues when you... Get the Spirit. No, he said you shall receive power. Amen. Power. Amen. The tongues is the least of the gifts. And that's why in another passage it says about Paul says, I pray that, you, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. But the thing is, is the Holy Spirit is the one that do the manifestation. And he's the one that gives gifts severally as he will. And if he so chooses to give everyone that gift of tongues, but that's not it. You have many gifts of tongues, but everybody's focusing on the tongues. That's an anointing, but that's not it.
0: Well, it's it's important that we don't confuse Acts two verse four as to what is a heavenly language.
2: That's the difference. That's a prayer
0: language. It's not the same. Acts chapter two verse four is a real human language because it said it was devout men from all nations. Amen, amen.
2: That's why I said go and when he told me, he said, "Wait, because you share a problem." Remember, before the Messiah, he said, "I breathe on you." He says, receive Amen. the Holy Spirit. That was no, before he was even um, glorified. He said, he cannot come unless I, I go away, and then I will send him, and he will testify of me. Amen.
0: So well, you, this is what we were talking You can't divide it,
2: about. but see, that's how the enemy divides between us. It's all, you know, no man can come to the Father except he comes to the Son anyway. If you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. I don't care who, what they call themselves. You can Amen. say you're Jew or not Jew or whatever. But unless you come through the Son and believe that he is the son of the most high, you have no, there is no other way. And well, he says, well, the you thing is, is that
0: you do away with the, the grace. Yeah. You do away with salvation by grace because yes. now it's works. Yeah. Now we have to see a work. Yeah. A second work, a yes. second thing to happen as if what Jesus said was not enough. Yes. Uh, And and I'm just like, I want them to see it for themselves. I want them to understand who came about with this thought process. And my thing is, do your homework. Go back to the Genesis.
2: And and see who
0: is leading these movements. See what's going on. See what's going on with these people. Do your study. We are just trying to bring it to your remembrance. And I'm hoping that you have a hunger and a passion to study and to know what it is that you know yes and do not let a man a denomination or a feeling trick you and block you from what god has for you Yes. now i appreciate your call there was a caller that was on the line they hung up i pray that the caller will call back again this is a very powerful uh, lesson that we're getting into and uh, just be patient with us and you know please call back and more than likely it'll be a part two i promise that yes
2: so I just want to say thank you for, like I said, breaking it down for the people because so long they've been taught that you have to go in a room and you have to tear. There's no tarrying. Sure. sure. There's no tarrying. You know what? the Holy Spirit. There is a. You know that's why I said. You know there is a. Um, uh, what they call it the. Um, the the, the uh, apostles they pray. You know, give us power that we may proclaim your name boldly again. But it was it was like a refilling. But it's not like a. You need something. It's a. I don't even know how to express it. Um, it's not something new as much as renewal. Sure. Because we don't we can't grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. No. You know, he wants us to do what he says to do. You can't right. grieve or quench him by not being obedient. Right. Period.
0: But the, the thing yes. is, is that what they're placing is a gift along with justification. Yes. They're putting yes. it on the same yes. level. Yes. That's a lie from yes. the pit of hell, yes. and I reject that. Yes. And that is heresy. Yes,
2: it There's is. There's
0: no way a gift could be on the same level Amen. of justification.
2: Amen. There you go. It's None. the difference between gift. None. You said the key: gift and anointing. Gift. The two different. It's, it's two different things.
0: The Holy Spirit yes. is the one that is the embodiment of the power that comes from the lord jesus christ Amen. it's not Amen. a gift it's yeah. for it's for everybody who believes Amen. you will receive sure, the holy yeah. spirit there's not looking at a gift well yeah. once you do this then the justification or the the manifestation or the evidence that you have the holy spirit is that you have a gift yeah. that oh. you have to display right away like i said i reject that Yeah. I reject that. It's not biblical. Uh, the question that we're asking today, is a second blessing of baptism of the Holy Spirit biblical? Uh, the answer is no. And we're going to continue to divide, rightly divide the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Keep
2: That's up the good work. That's what we're going to do. Well, I
0: appreciate that. Thank you for encouragement, All right, woman good. of God. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right, Brother Vernon, I want you to go to Acts chapter 2, and I want you to look at verse 38. This would be the Apostle Peter talking. Amen. Amen. We're going to Acts chapter 2 and we're going to look at verse 38. And tell me what the Word of God says.
1: Verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.
0: 39.
1: 39. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call.
0: Okay. So it says, right, that what did John say? He said that they needed to repent. Amen?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Repentance. You cannot keep doing the same thing once you have received the Holy Spirit and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and still continuing on the same yeah. path. You, you you can't do it, man of God. That salvation is questionable. To the point that you're probably not saved. Mm -hmm. I didn't say that you weren't saved. I said you're probably not. And that is something that you're going to have to take up with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. But we have to understand this program is called Save the Lost at All Costs. And I am encouraged by the Lord Jesus Christ. And compelled by Him to bring this to you in a season called now. Amen? Amen. So we see that a gift is no way the same as receiving the Holy Spirit. They're not the same. And I don't want anybody to believe that you have to have some type of gift to prove that you have received the Holy Spirit. No. And a man. And how do you know that this man or woman is even has a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Why? Because they're in a house of God? Just because it says house of God doesn't mean that God is in there. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of counterfeits. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of false prophets. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people preaching a heretic doctrine. Amen. And first of all, number one, if you don't have any love in you and you can't demonstrate love, what good is your salvation? Amen. It's good that you know the word of God where you can repeat it. But if you don't have love and you can't demonstrate love, then what were you saved for? Love is what kept our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what kept him on there. So we need to be the embodiment of that. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, when we go back to what we were reading in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, Brother Vernon, in case somebody just uh, tuned in, would you go back to Acts chapter 2 and read verses 1 through 4 again? I'd like to point out something.
1: Sure. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Four. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay.
0: Okay. So certain things had to happen first, right? Mm-hmm. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they talked in their own native language. Amen. Amen. Okay. So this is what we have to understand. Some, something happened. So did it say that there was a mighty wind? Yes. It called it what? A a, a rushing yeah, mighty wind, wind, right?
1: And it filled the whole house.
0: And, and then it says something about fire, Right.
1: Divided tongues with some fire.
0: Okay, so this has to come from heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, brother, but I haven't seen holy fire come down from, from heaven Amen. In, in my lifetime. This is a one-time act. So I haven't seen anything come down. I haven't seen it written about in any Christian setting except for this right here. Amen. So, where, where's the holy fire, man of God? Where is the sound that sounds like a rushing wind? Where, where is it? Have you heard about it? No. I haven't I mean, heard about it from my mother. I haven't heard about it from my grandmother. never saw I, it. I knew my great-grandmother. Nobody ever talked about this, Amen. man of God. Amen. You know why? Because they weren't there. Amen. You can't talk about it if you weren't there. This was an eyewitness account. Amen. They actually saw this. This actually happened. It was a one-time-only event. Now, if somebody knows more than us, brother Vernon, we welcome them to call oh. and and point it out in Scripture where something like this happened. Amen. I'd love to to see it. I don't profess to know everything. I'm a student. And I want to get it right. But based on what I have found in scripture. This is the only time that that happened. And I want you to describe again. And that's in verse 2. What it was. And then in verse 3.
1: And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing wind. Mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of
2: them.
0: Okay, so in a regular, modern, Pentecostal service, there's nothing that could compare to that. Amen. And there have been services all over the world, and nothing... Has been described as that. So. Then. The Holy Spirit fell. Amen. Amen. And Jesus said what? That it would be power. Right. Amen. And that they would be able to do what? Go witness. So these men came from all nations. Right. And they were. Devout. And they were some Jews among them. And there were those who weren't Jews. Among them, which would be Gentiles, Amen. Amen. Not born of Jew, which is what they called Gentiles in that day. Are you with me, Brother Vernon? Yes,
1: I am. About how many?
0: And what were they supposed to do with that? They hummed. were supposed to go out. Go out. And, and bear witness.
1: Bear witness to Jesus.
0: Right, but they were there. That's right. They saw it. They received that. I haven't received that. But did it say? that they were going to be speaking in a, a heavenly language at that particular time no they were speaking in their in own language. language they heard it in their own language it was a human language Amen. and the apostle paul when we went back to first corinthians chapter 14 says clearly there has to be an interpreter Amen. and you do this in sequence one person would speak sit down the next person would speak and sit down there would be an interpretation of each time someone spoke Amen. because if everybody spoke together what is that how can we know what anybody is saying Amen. Vernon, if you and I started speaking together, people wouldn't be able to understand what it is that we're saying. And we speak English. And most people who are listening to this radio ministry speak English. English. But they will say, you know what, Sister Nina and Brother Vernon, I had no idea what you were talking about. And I'm like, you didn't hear me? They say, yeah, I heard you, but you and he were speaking at the same
2: same time."
1: time.
0: So I couldn't understand what it was. Now is that fair? What I'm saying, brother? Absolutely. Okay, I want to know. Now, you know, you got any any opportunity you need to stop me,
1: <laughs> to set me
0: straight. You know, I love you. I know you're walking with the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Oh, I will if it sounds like or doesn't sound like.
0: It and then you're going to take like. then you're going to take me to the scriptures, right. right? Of course. So I just want to know Learned. you will correct me in love. Amen. And you will take me to the scriptures. Amen. So, do I have that commitment from you? Yes. You have that commitment from me, Amen. and that's the way we're supposed to do it, correct? Amen. Amen. Well, I think we're doing everything that we're supposed to do. Okay. Now, tongues don't always accompany salvation. Okay. So let's let's look at some incidents. Now, when we looked at chapter two, verse four, let let's see. Now. You are in Acts 2, verse 4. So, let, let's look at this. We're going to see if we can point this out. So, read uh Acts chapter 2, verse 4 again, please.
1: Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance.
0: Amen. And again, we identify that as speaking a human language. Right. Let's go to Acts 10, verse 46.
1: Acts 10, verse 46. Mm-hmm. Acts 10, verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered. 47. Can uh-huh. it, anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days.
0: Amen. Now let's go to Acts 19, verse 6.
1: Acts 19. Verse 6, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied.
0: Amen. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, we know that 3,000 people did come to Christ, right? Amen. And they had never, ever spoken any kind of tongues before, right? Amen. In reference as the first believers did. That's why I'm telling you, it's a one-time-only thing. You can't compare the two. We, we have to understand that. Now, when we looked at Matthew 3 and we looked at Acts 2, it talked about John the Baptist, right? Mm-hmm. When we were looking at Matthew 3. And he talked about that uh, it was going to happen with Holy Spirit and fire, right? Amen. Amen. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Okay, so let's go to Matthew chapter 3 and let's look at verse 12.
1: Verse 12 says, His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire.
0: Okay, so let's look at this. When we look at the first... His in verse 12. Is that a capital H? So when you see something capital, what is that referring to? God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. But in this particular case, they're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So that's a capital H, correct? Amen. And then it says his hand. Amen. There's another capital H, right? Mm -hmm. And then it says his threshing floor. There's another capital H, right? Yes. and gather his wheat that's another capital h right? right but he will burn it up that's another capital h right amen. with unquenchable fire that's talking about judgment yes. you're not going to need tongues at that particular time amen. that's talking about judgment he's separating the wheat from the tares amen amen and that that's unprofitable it's going to burn up amen do you see what I'm talking about there? Yes, I do. All those are capital. Who receives the capital?
1: Jesus Christ.
0: In this particular context, none of us receive the capital. So it's not talking about a man speaking in tongues or anybody speaking in tongues. That's what John the Baptist is trying to tell them. Repent because the kingdom is here. Not near. It's here. Amen? Amen. Amen. So... You won't be able to lie on the Holy Spirit or in front of the Holy Spirit. John is giving you a warning. Amen. Amen. He's giving you an exhortation that's going to save your life. Some people don't get warnings, man of God. And the fire is the consuming fire. Not a fire that I have a passion to do the service of the Lord. The fire that is unquenchable. As in the lake of fire, as in Gehanna. Amen? Amen. This is what he's talking about. It says he's flat in the he's he's fanning the flames, man of God. Amen. Because it's your choice. But he is who he is, and he's gonna do what he says he's gonna do. Amen? Amen. So people should not be fooled by that, okay? And thinking that it's talking in you know a heavenly language. Oh no, he's talking to you straight up. Make no mistake about it. It's a warning. He's speaking to you as to what will happen. So it refers to judgment in this context, not speaking in tongue. We have to understand that you want to be baptized. You want to be saved. Amen. Amen. But those who are unrepentant, they will be judged, man of God. And that he's predicting the spirit baptism, which is the only salvation that you can receive. Other than that, if you don't receive it, what comes next? Judgment. Are you following me? Yes, I am. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 4 and let's look at verse 31. We only got one more to look at and we're going to continue this. Amen? Amen. This is rich. So just give me one more verse. 31. Before uh, our engineer counts us down.
1: Acts 4. Verse Verse 31. And the word of God says. And when they had prayed. The place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness.
0: Spoke the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit. Happened. And then that happened. Not The manifestation of speaking in tongues. So we love you. Save the lost at all costs. Come back and be with us next week. Amen. Amen.